they delayed everything while you've got hard money and you're basically rebuilding an old historic home and it cost twice as much as we thought it was going to cost and it took 10 times the effort and the stress that most of our deals take and we write a check to sell it. So, I mean, that was an expensive lesson. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here. Heather Marchant is out this week. She is out in Colorado with the family. And a lot of times from the road, she'll dial in, but she's apparently so far off the trail that she can't dial in this week. So you stuck with me, but I got a great surprise for you because Caleb Pearson is back. My good buddy, Caleb, welcome to the show. Coming off the bench. (laughs) That's right, man. That's right. Putting him in, he's going to sink some three-pointers today for us on the show. (laughs) Caleb and I were talking last week. If you guys don't remember, it's been a little while since you've been on the show, Caleb. But Caleb is a real estate broker, real estate investor. He wholesales houses. He rehabs houses. He sells more houses. You guys are the number one, right, in South Carolina? In South Carolina, yep. And then- Retail team. Yeah. And then there was some other ridiculous one, like the whole world. I didn't even know that Remax was in the whole world, but apparently it is. Yeah. They're huge in the Caribbean. Okay. That's right, man. I've seen them down there. Yeah. And in South America, I think we finished for medium sized teams. What, I don't know what, how many agents that cat is in that category, but That's I think insane. we finished ninth in the world. That's insane. Yeah. Coming from little old Charleston now. Pretty cool. Yeah. So Anyway, heavy hitter on the show today. Caleb yeah. owns rentals, again, wholesales, rehabs, you pretty much name it. Uh, Caleb does it. We're partners on some deals and we are good friends. He's sold me my houses and sold my houses here in Charleston. So in the event that you're moving to Charleston, Caleb's your man. He can hook you up. We've got you covered. And I've learned a lot. I mean, everything that I know on the rental side, we've learned from you. Well, I appreciate good, bad, and ugly because we're going to talk about it today. That's the funny thing is Caleb and I, we were talking last week about just the madness that is real estate. Because on the show, this is the Get Real show. So today, Caleb and I are going to get real. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. And I do mean the ugly because I know one of the stories Caleb's going to tell. And it had to have been ugly because, well, you'll hear a little, little bit. We thought it would be cool to just show up and talk about the craziest stuff we've seen in real estate, some of our best deals, our worst deals, just crazy stuff. Maybe cheapest house. I don't know. We'll see where this goes today, but I may have you for cheapest house. I'm excited to hear your stories too, because I told you a few of mine, but I haven't heard Yeah, man. This is going to be fun. This is going to be good stuff. So let's start off with craziest stories, Caleb. And doesn't matter whether it's from the retail side, from wholesaling, whatever. What's the craziest stuff you've seen in the real estate space? So I've got a couple. I think the funniest one time, one of our agents was showing houses and went to go knock on, went through the lockbox, walked in the living room. And I guess the seller forgot that he had confirmed a showing. There was this man sitting (laughs) butt naked with candles all around him, Indian style in the living room. I don't know what the guy was doing. So he gets up, takes off. But I think my, one of our agents was scored for life after that one. Were the buyers there too? It was husband, wife, and one of our agents. Lovely. Lovely. So 
This happened in our house. It didn't have anything to do with me being in real estate, but very similar. We had an agent and their two clients walk into our home. We were sitting, we had a loft, like you walk into the front door, there's a loft. We were sitting up there watching TV as a family with our Doberman (laughs) and the door opens. This nice dressed man walks in (laughs) with this couple into the front room of our house, starts looking around, talking, and my Doberman pops up, looks down there, realizes these people are not family. Oh, that dog was And they lock eyes with that realtor. And then my dog lets out this ridiculous bark. My dog was super nice, but my dog looked like it would kill you. (laughs) Yeah. Starts running and down the stairs. I never seen anybody run out of a house faster than that. And I went down there to find out what was going on. They thought my house was the model home in the subdivision. So they just walked walked (laughs) into my house. Crazy. At least we weren't naked doing anything naughty. I'm in there. It's funny you say that because that happens more often than you think. I've had agents call me on some of our listings and they're asking, where's the fourth bedroom? And I'm telling them, go up the steps turn left. And they're like, there's no stairs. There's no second floor. I'm like, you're in the wrong house. <laughs> they're in like the next door neighbor's house. That's happened more than, I would say more, two to three times. Oh my gosh. Where people have left like lock boxes on the front doors. So they just assume they're all electronic and they work from an app. So you can get into anyone yeah. across town. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. So craziest stuff, man. I've got another one. Because I wasn't even planning on telling you that one. That just that popped in my head when naked dude was sitting cross leg. At least we weren't naked, Caleb. It could have been. It could have been worse. <laughs> we can't. So my brother and I owned a house on Kensington in Kansas City, and the people who were there renting it, we got stuck with this house, and they were renting it. They had gotten their electricity turned off, and then they went and reattached it themselves. So then the city cut it off at the pole, like at the street, cut it off. And we got notified at that point. So we went over there, mail slow. So by the time we got over there, they hadn't had power for quite a while. Yeah. The dude was so proud of himself. In Kansas City, they have these gravity furnaces. So what he did was he just built a little like fireplace underneath the gravity furnace. And he was heating the house with fire from the downstairs. So I don't even know how they were living in there because the smoke was going up through. So he had completely smoke damaged the house. He's such an idiot. The (laughs) utilities were off and he used the main stack as his heating element for the house. He just lit a fire in the basement of the house. People are pretty resourceful. Remember the 12 (laughs) unit that we bought together and all of them, there was one person out of 12 units paying cable and they had split it to where yep. all through the out back windows. Yep. And the first thing we did when we closed was we told our contractor to go in and snip the wire and people just came out like cockroaches. Because yep. everybody was there all day long watching TV. Yep. It looked like a favela in Brazil, man. It was crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. People are very resourceful. <laughs> Dude, just in the last six months, we bought a house and it burned down the next day. Whoa. Completely burnt down. We've had a water heater fall through the ceiling on a tenant in their sleep, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. 
I'm trying to think what else. We had a homeless person found in one of our triplexes dead that had been squatting in a triplex that we hadn't gotten to renovate yet. That's just all in the last six months. Yeah, so we just had a squatter situation. Not me, but my friend. I was helping him in downtown Charleston. People were supposed to be buying the house. They didn't close and they didn't leave. They just squatting. <laughs> Crazy people. I don't understand the mentality of people like that, but it happens, man. It happens. My buddy has an Airbnb and this lady scheduled a booking, moved in, didn't leave. And he went to the door and she goes, I don't know what to tell you. I just, I don't have any money and I'm going to be here for the next 60 days and you're going to just have to figure it out. She said, in 60 days, I'll be out of here. But I mean, you can try to evict me. Yeah. And I guess the short-term rental laws have not caught up to that anyway, have they? I don't know. And I don't know which state this one's in either. As you know, eviction laws are state. Yeah. I mean, in California, she could have said six months. So yeah, Illinois rough too. Man, now I'm going to do some research on that because that could be the next great big scam. You get somebody move in and they don't move out. And if you're in one of the states where you can just stay there indefinitely, because like if it's a hotel, they'll just kick you. The police will come kick you out. But I don't know what the heck happens with a short-term rental. I don't know what laws that falls under. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that one either. All right, I'm, I'm going to find out. I will let everybody know as soon as I find out about that. My gosh, that's crazy. Another good one. So we, go ahead. One of our buddies who owns thousands of units. He had contractors replace all the doors, want to all call it 120 units, but they put the pin on the outside instead of on the inside. <laughs> so someone just went around and took a hammer and went, tapped all the doors, opened them all up and went inside. And I don't know how much damage they did, but I oh do know they were taking, taking doors off the hinges. So Caleb, I went to do due diligence on an apartment complex with another partner of mine and we were inside. Then these places were pretty hammered. I mean, it was like a million and a half dollars worth of we knew we had to do. We got into one of the units and there was people living there. And we asked if we could go in, into this bedroom to take a look because we we're doing a walkthrough. And she's like, yeah, you don't want to go in there. And I said, well, why not? She goes, well, there's a raccoon in there, <laughs> fell through the ceiling and hit my daughter. And my partner, he goes, when did that happen? She said, two months ago. <laughs> he was like, they didn't fix it. Then the daughter comes out and recounts the story of this <laughs> raccoon falling on her. We said, we'll brave it. Do you mind if we go in there? And, and she goes, no, I don't care. I said, you guys haven't been in here for two months? No, we just shut the door because maintenance people <laughs> haven't come to fix it. So <laughs> we walk in and no crap, the bed, it was right below this big, huge hole in the drywall pieces all over the place. And it's wet because you look up there's a giant hole in the roof where the raccoon came in in the first place. Could he get out? And the reason it fell through is because it had rained in there and gotten wet. <laughs> Did he get out? He got out. He wasn't hurt? in there. So I don't know how he got out, but he got out somehow. <laughs> They're also resourceful. We didn't buy that apart. We tried to retrade the guy and he wouldn't deal. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. And the maintenance guy was with us on the walkthrough and was just like, yeah, man, we're definitely going to fix it. And I'm like, dude, it's been two months. Yeah. I mean, there's a hole in the roof. It's uh, passive, completely passive. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No work, no headaches. Let's do cheapest deal, Caleb. 
because I think I've got you on this one because I know you're doing business in Charleston. So it's going to be pretty hard for you to beat mine because I was doing business in Kansas City. You're not the only one that doesn't buy in one city. Alabama, Birmingham. Oh, I beat you, dude. I mine seven. $7,500 brick house. Seven grand. Seven grand. I bought it off Facebook. So I told Ashley, I said, I got this deal on Facebook, brick house down in Birmingham, and I'm buying it. She goes, you don't know anything about Birmingham, and no, you're not buying it. <laughs> I said, yes, I am. I've already signed the contract. So we wired it, bought it, threw it back on the market, just bought it and threw it on MLS and sold it for like 30 yeah, I sold mine for twenty four five, but that was after I tried to rehab it. It was so in a war zone. It's not even funny where this was. And my contractors went in to start to rehab it. They left their tools in there, which I told them not to do. And so somebody kicked in the front door, stole all their tools, cut all the walls open, took all the copper out, like everything that they wanted, they took out of that house. So we boarded it up. And we tried one more time and then they did it again. They took the cabinets out. They took all the stuff we'd put in out. Then we boarded it up and I put it on the MLS and sold it for 24.5. Yeah, a little bit. Right. I mean, you after because my contractor didn't eat any of that money. That was all of ours. So it was my brother and I did that deal. It was on Indiana in Kansas City. Isn't it the worst when you're renovating in war zones? We did an eight unit apartment. And as we were doing them, everything was getting stolen out of them. So what we had to do was we had to board up seven units, do one unit and show it and fill it. And then unboard the second unit, renovate it, fill it. And we did it. We boarded windows and doors all the way down the complex. And it was the only way to fill it. I mean, people steal appliances, copper, AC units. But the cool thing is once you get it done... The whole thing is cleaned up. Everybody watches out for each other and all of that element goes away. But until you clean it up, it's no holds barred. No. It's just. And that's why it's important when you buy in those war zones to kind of like look at what's around it. Like you could see all these guys sitting on five gallon buckets Uh right out the front door, right across the street. And there were 15 of them. And they have nothing better to do go in there and steal all the crap out of the houses as soon as I, as soon as your contractor hops in the car and know, drives off. They need the money. I've been sitting around all day. So <laughs> let's talk about best and worst deals. Dealer's choice. You start. Best or worst doesn't matter. Worst deal. I mean, if you've been doing it long enough, you're going to have deals where you lose money. And you write checks to get out of them. Knock on wood, I think our biggest loss has only been about I mean, only about a hundred grand on one deal. That's enough. Just a bad flip. Yeah, I mean, the town got involved. Just they delayed everything while you got hard money, and you're basically rebuilding an old historic home, and it cost twice as much we thought it was going to cost, and it took ten times the effort and the stress that most of our deals take, and we write a check to sell it. So I mean, that was an expensive lesson, but I mean that's. Knock on wood, that's been the worst so far. Yes, my worst deal was actually a syndication deal. And it was because of the management company. It was a new construction deal, so it should have been awesome. But what ended up happening was the builder was allowing us to fill it. And he was kind of watching the management company. I should have been watching the management company, but they leased up tons of units for way under market. So by the time we were going to get it filled... There was not going to be enough money to cover PREF, make any money. It was going to take us years to increase the rents back up to where they should be so that we could actually make some money. And in the meantime, we were just going to be burning money. 
So I ended up punting on that deal and selling it. The good news is I was able to, to negotiate with the builder and of course myself, and we lost a lot of money, hundreds of thousands, but we got out of it and all of our investors got their money back and their returns. But that was the worst deal personally for me. You got to have your eyeballs on those management companies, man. They'll make or break you. They'll kill your deal or they'll yeah. make it like we know on our duplexes that we just bought. I mean, those guys are making that deal happen. It's just amazing to watch them. I wish you could just like take good property managers and clone them around the world. Like just They're not all the same. <laughs> not even close. I mean, it's incredible how like those guys are rocking. You know, people think big markets, it's better. That market is a tiny little market and those guys are roping it. And it's not just because the market has enough tenants. They're literally rock stars. They're great on the renovations that need to be done. They get it handled fast. Their communication is unbelievable. Yeah. And they communicate how we communicate. They communicate via text. They know we're going to communicate via text. So they hit us with a text, ask yeah. us the questions. It's so much better that way. And it's like weekly updates. Unless you require it out of most property management, you get it once a month. But they're almost weekly hitting us with questions, updates on apps coming in, mm -hmm. waiting list, pr new pricing. Yeah. I mean, they've been great. Hey, going back to your bad deal, did all your investors know, even though you made them hold, did they know y'all wrote big checks to get out of that thing and it was a Nobody dud? Knew. Okay. I was just curious Nobody if you knew. knew. I've had other deals where we've gotten out of deals. And they've made money where they knew that I didn't make what I should have made. But it sucks when that happens. But the most important thing is to get your investors their money back and get them their return. Because you can live to fight another day. Yeah. Screw your investors over. You don't live to fight another day. <laughs> you can't do any more deals. You pissed off your investors. So that's right. No, no you got to get a whole new crop. That's, they don't come back. That's it's, for it's sure. easier to retain the ones you've got than to go get new ones. So. It's crazy how once you do one or two deals with investors, then they roll to the next deal and then they magically find <laughs> yeah. this extra couple hundred grand that you didn't know they yep. had. As That's they go, exactly how they it go works. bigger and bigger um, and bigger. And in every one of those scenarios, I didn't lose investors. Like they rolled with me to the next one. So I'm an investor now that way and I invest in deals. The most important thing to me is return of capital and what you're doing to protect my capital. And we've always got two or three different ways we can get exit a deal if it starts to not work the way we thought it was going to work, we can get out. And I can always get them their money back plus their return. And if I eat it, then I eat it, whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's do best deals, man, because that's way more fun than worst deals. Was your best deal the one you just did? It is. That is the best deal. And I've already talked about it on the podcast. I'm happy to talk about it again because it's that good. It's, it makes me smile every time I talk about that. That was such a winner of a deal, man. <laughs> So anybody who hasn't listened to the podcast in like the last two months, we bought a commercial property that had a long-term lease and the people had already moved out. And we negotiated a buyout for them on their lease that is almost what we paid for the building. So we net bought this 27,000 square foot office building for no money. It's unbelievable. I was just talking to somebody the other day, can't remember who it was. I was talking to somebody the other day about hitting singles, just swinging, hitting singles, trying to get on base. Yeah. And occasionally the pitch comes in just right. The swing feels perfect. Connection is amazing. And you know that sucker's going over the fence. And then you look up and you realize, oh, the bases are loaded. That is yeah. what just happened. <laughs> That's how that deal felt. Yep. 
I mean, but and think about how many deals you've done over your career. Yeah. And you did that deal in a market where people are saying deals are not quite back and people are overpaying for stuff. So the market's gotten squeezed so tight. But you also took the Yeah, and I tried and to kill that deal every single way there was to kill it. Swung the bat. And then finally, when there was no way to kill it anymore, I'm like, well, I guess it's a good deal. I still didn't think it was going to be that good. But I mean, I thought, well, I mean, <laughs> this is a good deal. We'll do it. And then it turned into unbelievable deal. I find when we talk about stuff like this, Caleb, people hear this stuff, they're like, wow. But to your point, this is years and years and years. Like I've been doing this for over 20 years and I had one grand slam home run. Everything else has been base hits, doubles. They all stack up. Yeah. Yet. Well, I don't have any that good, but I've got some good ones. I'll tell you, this is a little nugget. Started reaching out to property managers probably six years ago. I mean, think about a property manager. They manage 300, 600,000 doors in some markets. They know all the landlords in town. And our avatar has been pretty much all the deals, the multifamily deals we bought have been mostly from just tired elderly landlords that are just ready to get out of the business. So I, I just went around to all the property managers and said, who do you own that owns a portfolio, multiple houses that is getting towards the end of the career? And one lady said, well, my biggest client just passed away and left his kids these houses. They didn't want anything to do with them. So it was like, I think it was 35 doors and 15 of them were like duplexes, triplexes. Oh. One of them was a sevenplex in Park Circle, which is oh, a, a yeah. pretty popular Jeez. neighborhood. Home run. So we offered them tax value for every house and they took it. So we sold off all the single family in the portfolio and it paid the entire purchase price. So I kept all the two doors, three doors. I kept all the multifamily in the whole portfolio. So I got 15 doors paid off free and That's clear. That's silly good. What are you talking about? That's awesome. It was a good deal. I remember when you were telling me about that deal and I was like, that is such common sense to just go ask the, the management companies. And how many people do that? Yeah. Not many. Not many. And she made a she made a commission and she was an agent. So she was happy as pig in the mud. Yeah. Did she keep the management or did you move management? No, she kept the management. Yeah. So she made a commission and she kept management because otherwise they would have sold them and she would have lost the management too. Yes. And we took great care of for years until she got out of the business. Yep. That was our mutual property manager for a while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. She awesome was awesome. Lady. Yeah. I was sad that she got out of the business. She was really yeah. good. She was like the guys up in Yeah, Gaffer. she was on it. Speaking of which, that should make the list. I mean, that is an unbelievably great deal. The one in Gaffney? Yes. Yeah, that was a good one for everybody. He wanted the money to put it in self-storage quick. And we're always looking to buy. Yep. And the number, he sold it to us at a fantastic number. He just never raised rents on those guys. We took yeah. them from what, 900 to 1350 in a, a year? He had rents in there at under 600, some of them. Yeah. He had them from 600 to like 750. Then we moved them to nine when we bought it. And then the ones we're renovating and turning are going to 1350, which almost double. Yeah. And renovating is might be a stretch. Like we're putting <laughs> in flooring and touch up paint. That's it. Flooring and paint. Yeah. We're not changing countertops, appliances, fixtures, bathrooms, nothing. So Caleb, we've given everybody on the show like one pretty no brainer, like captain obvious way to go find properties, which is property management companies. Other than that, if you're just a person out there listening to this show who wants to start hitting singles, what do you suggest people do? 
In the single family market or commercial? Yeah, whatever market. I mean, real estate agents can be your biggest friends on the residential side. And they don't want to list houses that are all beat up, that are in distress. They'd rather just, if you can come in and buy them and they can get both sides of the commission, they'll do that all day long. That means less work for them. Real estate agents as a whole are pretty lazy. Yep. And you gave a really solid piece of advice to some folks. It was in one of the masterminds we were both in, but somebody was calling or mailing or texting some of the agents in their community, but they were only going after the big hitters. And you said, man, no, go after every, because the ones who sell like three a year, it's like an extra deal. Yeah. They're thrilled. They're getting both sides of a deal. That's huge to them. It almost doubles their income. And the big guys buying themselves or they already have investors. I mean, if someone's doing a couple hundred deals a year, if they have found a good deal, they can spin it off to it, have it sold by dinner. Right. But the newbies or the people that do a few deals a year, I mean, they can just trip and fall and stumble into a deal. Yep. And they don't know what to do with those beat up houses. Uncle Pete. And you make their life easy. I was just talking to somebody the other day about realtors and the new ones that get into the business because Aunt Jane is selling her house. So they decided to go get their license and list Aunt Jane's house. And that's the only house they sell that year. Might stumble into another one. Is what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> that's you right. know, if they can get an easy deal like Aunt Jane's, well, shoot. I mean, why wouldn't they do that deal, right? That's exactly right. And how nice of Aunt Jane to sell her biggest asset with someone who just who, got who has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> it boggles my mind all the time. And the people who take Realtor Bob, who just sold Aunt Jane's house, and they go, well, I don't feel like I should have to pay a realtor when all they do is Realtor Bob did. Well, okay. I think we're comparing Realtor Bob maybe to all realtors and we shouldn't be. There's a top 5% which are the only ones you should want to work with. And everybody just lumps them all. They're like, I'm just going to sell it myself. What do they do? Throw a sign in the yard? Well, some of them. Yeah. Well, if we're being fair, the majority of them, Caleb, they chuck a sign in the yard. That's kind of it. Man, it's funny. I used to cold call. When I got started, I just cold called all day long when I wasn't running appointments. And I can't tell you how many times people said, I hate realtors. I'll never work with a realtor. I hate real estate agents. I mean, they just had a bad realtor yep. previously and they had a bad experience. But I always ask them, like, you ever been to a restaurant and had a bad meal? Did you stop going out to eat? No. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people all the time, like, a good realtor who understands your market is worth their weight in gold. And I've said it on the show before. I'll say it again. Every single time I've bought and every single time I've sold my own personal residence, I am a broker. In multiple states, I do not list for sale, nor do I buy houses by myself. I don't do it because it's not my business. I don't know it that yeah. well. I know real estate really well. Could I negotiate a deal by myself? Yes. Do I know the local market as well as somebody who's in the top 5% of realtors in the market? No, I do not. And do I know how to sell what's working in the market right now? No, I do not. How much is that worth? Because it changes. It changes like every month. I mean, on our last deal that we did together, it was worth $400,000. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate well, it. On both of them. Well, I'm not counting the other one. I'm just the last one you sold. I'm talking about the house you bought. We don't need to say how much that was, but that, that was, was a smoking deal. That is an unbelievable deal. It really is. I pinched myself that that deal even happened. I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. That's another nugget. It's like swing the bat. 
because a lot of people wouldn't have put in that offer that we put in. And you just never know when someone's going to come back. Yeah, and I they mean, were just tired. They were tired. Yeah, without throwing the numbers out there, we offered a lot less on your house yes. as almost a, a joke. And they came back. And- it was an embarrassing offer. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to you. If, if your offer is not embarrassing, if you're not a little bit embarrassed to put it in, it's not low enough. And if they take it immediately, you definitely didn't offer low enough. That's right. I'm just glad that they countered a little. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might have come up like 10 grand or something like that. But the amount they came down was ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. That's how we bought that house at Edisto. It was listed a uh, beachfront house for 889 and Justin offered 650 on it. Yeah, just why not? They countered at 695 and I said, Justin, go up like seven grand. Just to show we're not really moving. And they took it. Unbelievable. You never know someone's motivation or sometimes people are just done with properties and ready to roll. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the people that I bought from were happy to be rid of the house. They downsize, they move into a house and they bought a renovation themselves. So, and she's a realtor. That's the crazy thing. She's a realtor. She knows or should know what the value of the house is. But I don't think they could get it where they needed to get it to extract all of the money from the house that did the best they could. And they made out great. And I both know what they paid for the house. So they made out really, really good on the house too. So everybody won in that scenario. I still pinch myself a little bit. That was a good one. But she was an agent. Yep. There's a couple people that have their license here in Charleston and they don't even list their stuff. They call me to list their stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we're the greatest thing since life's bread, but there's a difference in someone that's doing the amount yeah. of transactions we are and seeing the market every day I versus mean, it someone be, that does. It would be weird if you said it, but I can say it. Caleb Pearson team rocks. If you're buying or selling in Charleston, you should call the team over there. Caleb, I appreciate it, buddy. This has been fun. We appreciate it. I hope everybody out there enjoyed it. Caleb and I just sitting here telling stories. Anyway, I think the moral of the story today is that no matter what you're planning on doing, the idea is to get out there and actually do it. Start swinging. Swing the bat. Swing the bat. All right, everybody. Till next week, get out there and make something happen. Thanks for having me on, bud. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.